I remember saying to him, this is some trip, Sean Murray. This is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> he says, it's not a trip, Muggsy, it's, it's a tour. And I was like, no, but you know what I mean? He says, no, I don't. This season, the show is brought to you by Airgrid. They're the proud sponsors of the Under-20 All-Ireland Football Championship. Not only is Airgrid delivering a cleaner energy future for Ireland, they are invested in development of our most promising GA players and the managers that helped them to shine. We're back for another season four of Coral Etomos in association with Airgrid. Airgrid are the operator and developer of Ireland's national grid. Tonight, I'm delighted to be joined by Colm Parkinson. Colm, you're normally doing the interviewing. Uh, so I had a good think all day long. I have a busy job, but I was thinking, what can I ask Colm? Where do I start? And I said, do you enjoy? Do you like? Did you set out with the media work, Colm? Or how did it? Had you any interest from a young age or how did it just come about like? It it came about just kind of um, news talk asked me to do some co-commentaries. They asked me to do a Saturday um, panel and I wouldn't have had done any media work. But looking back on it, Tomas, I remember when I was in school and I left school and I was back. I remember dropping out of college and I was back uh, just watching one of the, the leave insert matches or whatever. And I ended up doing a commentary on that. And I did halftime interviews and everything. And I remember loving it. But then, of course, that kind of stuff just went out of my head completely. But then when I started doing it for News Talk, I did sideline reporting and, you know, little bits and pieces like that. And I just loved it. I was just out of the game and it kept you on the sideline. You know, the, the players had run out of the tunnel past you and you're kind of involved in it. And I love the buzz of it. I love the buzz of the radio. And, you know, just really, really, really enjoyed it. But it was just a random phone call from News Talk to ask me to go on that Saturday panel. I got on all right with those Saturday panels and then they asked me to do the COCOM. And then that planted the seed in my head. I was working in finance at the time. Um, Jesus, maybe I might be able to do this full time. So I dropped out of the finance job. I went back to DCU full time and I got a master's in journalism and kind of went from there. Then all the, the, off, the old off the ball boys, the second captains all left news talk. Then it all worked out great. Like it all is like perfect timing. I wouldn't usually get lucky like this. <laughs> and uh, they all left five of them at the same time. And then I got a full time job in news talk. So it all like it just from the start of it until the end of it, you know, until I got in there permanently, like it all just seemed to fit into place. It was weird how it worked out. I, are you sociable? This is a weird question, old Colm. Are you a sociable person? I'm not, like, I don't like talking to people, like, even though I'd work with television and I'm doing this and all that. But naturally, I'm not comfortable. If it was a choice of me walking down the road and I knew somebody the far side, I'd keep walking if I could, like. So, are you a sociable person like you are? Well, well, no, I would put the head down, depending who the person <laughs> is. Like, I mean, if you're, if you're, like, I'd be very social over a pint or in a in a pub, I would, you know, I would have no problem. Um, I can get a bit socially awkward at times or you meet somebody and you can like, I don't know, it's a, it's a weird one with me. I, I could, for example, I had a I had to be a best man at my friend's wedding. I could stand up in front of 400 people in Liberty Hall for the show yeah. in a kind of pu- in a pub setting and feel very little nerves and get over it. 
Jesus, I was a nervous wreck being the best man. I knew everybody <laughs> looking at me that I knew and I made a balls of it. I don't, it's a weird one. It's a, it's a strange one. I would be a social fella, but I get what you're saying. If there was somebody on the street, sometimes I would. Uh, I think as well, when you have children, you become less social and, um, you know, you have your own little family. And I'm talk. I think I have a circle of friends of maybe two at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast, it's a huge success, Column. I was watching... Um, all the clips you do, and, and I saw the, the Shane McGuigan interview. I find it very fascinating. What, if there's something, what's the biggest challenge for you? Like, what you find hardest about that racket, about uh, the media side of it, about driving it on yourself, your own? What's the toughest part of the whole thing? Um, I don't, listen, I love the job, so I don't think, I, I, if anything, it's texting lads and annoying them and asking them for interviews and, they don't come back to you for two or three days and you might you might have to send feelers out with somebody else then and then the two of them could come back and say yes and then you're completely slugered or they might they might never get back to you at all i find annoying because like you we were both players tomas and like i mean i don't want to be annoying lads um i have double text fellas i've sent the second one and sometimes that's worked out for me um but it's probably the the texting i hate like i i'm you know on the whatsapp groups and everything i don't contribute to them because when i'm finished working I don't want to be on WhatsApp. For me, WhatsApp is a job, you know, trying to ask fellas for interviews and organizing the show and probably that administration side of it, like doing the shows I love. I don't I like I like even planning the shows and, you know, producing them and seeing which is the what are what are the best talking points out of the weekend? What will we get into? I enjoy all that. Probably that probably a researcher's role. Um, you're lucky enough. You have researchers here on Corolla Tomas. Uh, um, <laughs> so you, you don't have to worry about that. There's a team. Of a them, more... There's a team of their column. There's a team. <laughs> you're a lot more high profile than me though. You see, I tell you, <laughs> did you ever, did you ever message anybody and you got no answer at all? Halback? Oh, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's the, I, 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 listen, I say it on the show. I don't mind. Keen Lynch is one I've texted and he just reads it and doesn't reply. Other, other ones will do the trick where they don't read it, but they've been on WhatsApp hundreds of times. A year later, the message might be unread and they just go, I, I, when I started in the media, you know, you, when you're just out of the game, I used to take these things personally. I'm like, what kind of a bollocks now wouldn't, you know, at least get back. Like, I don't mind a no, but I hate being left hanging. But look, I don't, I don't even remotely take it the wrong way. Like these lads have enough to be doing, and I'm, I'm looking for a free interview off them and better things to be doing. So, loads of them, Tomas. Lo- a lot of lads would, would uh, not reply. Not, a, I would say ninety percent would reply. But like, I send a lot of requests, so like ten percent is a lot that wouldn't, you know. <laughs> I won't go into, we're not going to discuss, and you, we could talk about it all evening in terms of tactics, in terms of whatever. People are sick of listening to that possibly all the week, and there's an amount of it at the time. I'll ask you one simple question, Colin. Would you like to play football now? Well, listen, I, th- I, I thought about this, because I say, and the full forward line, absolutely not. I was a fella who was breaking out in front, looking for ball, laying it off. Like, I was kind of a target man, number 14, for Mikko, and he thought there was a good role for me there, even though I wasn't a good scorer. Um, a wing back is perfect now, though, Tomas. Like, you're coming late onto the play. It's like, you could develop into a good attacking wing back. You don't have to mark anyone. And <laughs> you're, you're just waiting for the ball to go over and back a few times and then just take it on a burst. And, like, I do think I could play that role. But in the, in the full forward line, absolutely not. It would be... I don't think I'd enjoy it because... I, I just loved kicking the football. 
I loved it. And if the manager ever said, right, lads, uh, no solo, no hop, or only a hand-passing game, all these things pissed me off. I didn't want to... I, if you were told it was just a hand-passing game, and at the start of training, there's no kicking for this session tonight, you would be in terrible form. Yeah. Like, if you can't kick the ball off the inside of the boot, the outside of the boot, kick a score, give a pass... I, for me, I wouldn't see any point in playing the game. So I was hard enough to commit with the football we played. Never mind. Like, I, I don't think I'd play. I'd be maybe one year every five I might play the hand-passing the hand passing game that's there now. I said the same to Mike Frank. I always laugh at it. Like, I thought we played decent enough football, open football, and Mick O'Connell described our football as shite. I, I wonder <laughs> what the hell he thinks now. The first time we came across cross paths, Colin, was way back in 1996. You're a minor with, with Leash. And back in those days, it's fully gone now. I don't know, do people remember? In 96, there was a drawn game in the, the All-Ireland Final, the seniors. The following day, there was always, the Monday was always a huge. But I remember the Mayo lads were there, half them. The Meat lads were there. They weren't drinking because they had the replay the following day. By Christ, you fellas made up for them. <laughs> <laughs> It was um that was a great tradition, by the way, wasn't it? To be in Brilliant. there with the seniors and all the mead lads. I was in terrible shape that day because I had been up till five or six, seven in the morning. And there was a few of the Leash County board trying to get brandy and port wines into me because they said, this will help you. Because <laughs> that didn't like make better like. That, that it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't make me better. I drank a couple of them and I went ate some of the dinner. And I ran out in front of all the mead, the mead players. And on the way out, I had to take off my jacket and I puked into the jacket and ran out into the toilet. And I can't, was it Darren Faye said it to me? Like they, this was noticed, right? That I, I like, and it wasn't because I had been drinking that morning. It was, I was just absolutely, I wasn't able for it. So I had yeah. to, they sent me back with this big homecoming and all like, I mean, this was a huge deal in Leash. So they sent me back to some man's house. Um, and I slept for two or three hours and I rejoined the team then, um, I think in the Putchin still or somewhere like that. So, yeah, that they were great. They were great days. And the fact then that the, the senior All-Ireland was the draw, like there was a huge interest in the Leash homecoming. And like, I think there was 10 or 15,000 at the Leash homecoming. And, you know, it was just a it was a massive day. But she nearly caught us in the end. We were nice and comfortable to us until until all of a sudden we weren't. I remember Bino. I, I, do you know what I remember? Actually, it would never happen today. So you're, as you as we said, there was a draw game. But then the week after, Goal obviously had their match, didn't they? Goal had oh, yeah. uh, obviously the winners of Mayo or the winners of Meat penciled down to have a match. But because the win was so huge in Leash and because they were guaranteed of such a massive, I remember I was in secondary school and we got this call saying will you go up and play Leash again? So he bait us on whatever day, and then we had to go up. And in fairness, it was a great... I always remember Paul Martin Beckett. He was he was a a great player from Dr. Croaks. He died in a car crash. I know, yeah, I remember a that. huge loss. But he, he, I remember him coming up on the bus. I love these fellas, you know, Ala, Michael Dara McCauley, William Kirby, who are brilliant footballers. He asked me going up on the bus after spending a full year, Charlie Nelligan was our minor manager, and he asked me, did Charlie play with Kerry? And I says, I says, no, no, I think he was a minor way, way back, but I don't think he played with Kerry. But that crowd that time, it, Leash must have gone berserk, Colin. <clears throat> At the age, yeah, there's no doubt about that. But sure, we've never won a senior All Ireland. We've never won an under twenty one. I don't think we'd won a minor until until then, and we ended up winning it or being in three in a row. So it was massive. Um, 
geez, a weird feeling for an 18 year old, you know, like we were treated like the, like there was security guards holding the public back from us that night. <laughs> we were shepherded. <laughs> like you wouldn't believe it then up to the back and the crowd was going mad. And sure, you thought you were like, I don't know what I was thinking so long ago, but it was just so I straight have a very clear memory of security guards like a feckin lady gaga it's just the one you know running through a crowd and there's security both sides of you or a boxer coming down into the arena and the crowd couldn't get near us and they wanted to touch us <laughs> and uh that was it yeah the, the the county went bonkers and it was an all-earned title and you know we, we'd never had one before and it, it, it listen there were great times and everything but it, listen it was huge you know, for for eighteen year olds, I'm surprised so many of us came through. And it, like you look at the Westmead team that won the All Ireland the year before in '95, hardly any of them came through yeah. to senior or as good seniors. Even their captain uh, Damien uh, Gavin, who was brilliant minor, yeah. he never really came through. And Cleary, the centre forward, was a sensational minor. Loads of us came through. So I don't know how we did it. You know, even though like you know we celebrated, it was a lot to take on at a young age. But I'd say up to ten of that minor. Eight, nine of that minor team uh, played senior. The fact that it was such a huge victory, would you have, are you still tight? Are you still close? I, I met Chris Conway, I don't know why, but I've always come across him numerous places. Uh, Ian Fitzgerald was on the 21 team when we played you that time. He wasn't on that minor team, if I'm right. No. But are you close tight. enough? Are you tight? Do you ever hook up, no? Um, we, we did. We had a twenty-five year thing a few years ago. A few years ago, when we were announced to the to the to the crowd in at halftime in a county final it was Portlaoise Strabley. Strabley actually beat Portlaoise for the second ten in a row. Um, later on, we went for pints after that. Probably not that much. I'd be friendly with Chris. Um, because we we marked each other in under twenty under twelve county final. You know these kind of lads, yeah. Tomas, that you kind of have that connection with. Danny Doog would be another fella I'd have a Danny bit of a Duke. connection with. Jesus Christ. Beyond <laughs> be the text with Danny, he was a sensational yeah. minor now, and injuries uh, messed him up. Um, you know, Bino. and then Portly Bino wouldn't see Bino much at all. No, I wouldn't really see Bino. He's in as a leash selector there as well. Um, he's in as well. Yeah. Jeez, he destroyed um, us. He destroyed us that day. No, y'all did. It was all I had my hands full with Chris Conway, but he did desperate damage. You went on to. I was actually talking. I always. I don't. I wouldn't be a huge man now to um, do a lot of homework, right? And I, I just let it let it flow. Whatever, Colin. I wouldn't have the experience or whatever. But I did send one fella a text about you this evening on the way down. I sent Jack Ferter a text, and he reckons from your time in Tralee. He said, there was a lot of us that cleaned out Father Pat, but he said, Wooly took the biscuit all together. <laughs> <laughs> so Father Pat was a priest, and I suppose he used to go at the hungry mouth every every so often to him, was yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, there was a bene- there's some benevolent fund that Father Pat was in control of, right? <laughs> so if any student fell on hard times and stuff like that, you could go in and give your sub story to Father Pat. And uh, now I wasn't one of the worst offenders. I'll have to pull uh, Ferret Jack, up. Jack says, I thought I was bad, but he says, your man was way worse. Jeez, he was, he was <laughs> he had a Pat worn into him. He says... <laughs> But Pat was a terrible soft touch. He was he was a, he was involved with the GEA, like he loved all of us. So he was a terribly soft touch. So if you were if you were stuck, you could go in and get a few quid off him. Um, but Ferreter's a funny one because back then when I was going into Tralee, um, you know there was a big hullabaloo at the time that you know that the, this the 
too many footballers were coming in, they were getting these scholarships and the yeah. college didn't like it. So I went in anyways and I was doing some uh, advanced tourism course. So I had to pretend I was opening up a B&B in Port Leash. Um, I was renovating the, the parents' um, house. I was building on an extension and they had me prepped to tell me whatever to get into this. It was funded by the government. I, like you were getting 80 quid a week if you went in. Only I never went in. But anyways, uh, so I went in, I had it all listed off and uh, wore a suit and told them all about my plans. I got in anyway. Uh, Ferreter, of course, you, you can't under no circumstances can you let them know that you're a footballer. Like, I mean, yeah. Ferreter wore his, uh, Ferreter wore some suit he got with the, <laughs> with the Kerry Miners. <laughs> So Ferreter didn't get into that course. I don't know how they got Ferreter in. Um, but he, he, Jesus, he was a great player back then. Like I used to love, I used to love training with him. We talk um, about Pat, kickers. He was one of the best uh, kickers, brilliant. the best strikers brilliant. of the ball. I remember, and this is why I have a huge growth for Kerry, Tomas, because, you know, Ferreter, Paul Sullivan, um, Noel Canelli, like we'd be taking sidelines and we'd be messing and and we'd all, be, like I thought I was cocky until I went down to the lads. And like, it, I don't even call it a cockiness, just a confidence, you know, watch this. And, you you know, Canelli could stick it over, like, because he had a boom and kick nearly like Clifford. And, uh, yeah. you know, just some of the things they could do and the real confidence that they had. Like, I, I don't know, I just... Uh, I always had a grow for Kerry after my time down three, but it was gas. It was a huge, like, I, I don't know how long you were down there, Colin, but that time, they won three or four, didn't they? They won two, they won three in a row, yeah. So I got the, I ended up getting deregistered out of my course because I never went in. Um, like, you know, and then they, they appealed the, 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 you know, the me getting thrown out. And the appeal lasted until after the Sigerson Cup. So on the Monday after the Sigerson Cup, I celebrated for the weekend. That was me done in Tralee. So I had a nice little, it's pretty much like a holiday down there. Um, I was at a loose end when Val Andrews rang me. So it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I actually ended up being, I was injured. We won that three in a row. Um, and myself and Porrick Joyce were standing on the sideline. And I know I'm throwing myself in with Joyce, but at that time I would have been a pre, you know, I'd have been a yeah. very good up and coming player. Yeah. Um, and we were standing on the sideline. Both of us, he was suspended and I was injured. So. Um, that was the three in a row. It's probably the worst of the three in a row teams, talent wise. But McGuinness was driving the whole thing. McGuinness, McGuinness was driving around Tralee in a white Celica. You'd often be the two of you with dark glasses driving around <laughs> horns at all hours of the morning. That's that's the other thing, Jack said. <laughs> yeah, Eamon Redden as well. And it's funny that Eamon Redden, I played minor. Set we beat Donegal that year in the in the minor semi final. He was full back on it. But he's another one of those boys who, you know, the Beckett's and the Michael Darren McCauley's. He didn't know. He blew my mind. He didn't know who Paul Curran was in the late nineties. Like I was like, what's wrong with what's wrong with you? He just liked. He just kind of liked playing football. But uh, he played senior with Donegal too. You went. You went with, and it was great. Carol was mine in there that time. No, he had just finished. Yeah. Um, Noel Garvin came down with me. Um, oh, yeah. It wasn't as it wasn't as star studded. Uh, it wasn't. As, was still, no. was still heavy enough. Was Donlin still there? Pardon? Was Donlin still there? No, Donlin. It's the, their second team was by far the most the star studded team. It had Barry O'Shea fullback Moynihan. It had Donlin. It had Joyce. It had McGuinness. Uh, it might had Mike Frank. Mike Frank was gone at that stage. That had the, their second year to beat Jordanstown in the final. That was like Jesus. It was a who's who of intercounty players. We had a lot more um, Pau Sullivan's, Noel Canelli's, Ferreters, not really s seniors at that time, but still very good players. The, the team wouldn't jump out at you, I suppose, um, the same way the second the second. It's a great competition column, isn't it? Like, it's a pity, like every, I mean, obviously there's inter-county players in every single college. 
but the way and I, I it just annoys me the way it's truncated and it's very hard to blame senior and county managers because you know they they're selfish they want their victories but the Sigerson is really yes they'll get a team out yes they'll have everybody playing but it'll be the first time they turn up and then if you're lucky to get over that whoever wins it they'll always say UCC won it this year I was talking to Billy Billy will say yeah we were lucky we were freaking lucky a couple of times we went extra time we got over it and as we went we got more momentum but the Sigerson has been it's 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 rammed into a corner it's hard to survive isn't it do you know what the problem is? There's no public interest in the Sigerson Cup and it's prob- the games are on Wouldn't during the day and nobody gets to see them really other than, other than the final. And the only people that absolutely love the Sigerson Cup are the players that played in it. They adore it. They know the importance of it. It's the camaraderie. It's the first time you meet fellas from other counties and you, you, you can weigh them up. You can see what you're like compared to them, you know, and you create a bond with them. And you, you have, you've never had that before. You only have your own minor, you know, colleagues and now you're playing... Against and one of them on the team could be a senior intercounty player. Now let's see how, what I'm like against him. Or, or yeah. it's it's a magical time, Sigerson Cup. But nobody seems to care about it. Um, you know, I remember when we won it. Uh, we won it up in Belfast. I was talking to the to Tom Brewster, who was um, there. He was with Queens. They are lunatics for the Sigerson Cup. I yeah. thought I liked it. The be- which are, look, the 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 northern teams are crazy, anyways. When all it comes football, to Gaelic football, every type of a football. all football yeah. club, uh, Ulster club is like a religion. Sigerson yeah. Cups are religion between the universities. The Ulster Championships are religion. They're they're the most intense. Um, yeah. They're mo- most intense boys you'll ever meet. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was going. I Mark, you played with Mark and Maynooth. I know you. You were yeah. in a few colleges, right? And I know you played with Mark. Mark told me his story one day, and I was asking him. I think there was Brogan was up there at the same time, and I think you were on a. He got a fit of laughing at you one day. Your coach came onto the bus or something, and you had to pay for togs or socks, or you had to pay for your jersey, or you had to pay for something. And you found out about it on the bus before you travelled to this match. And I don't know who the, the the manager's name was. Let's say it's Pat, and you say, Pat, I'm not paying for this. And your answer is, you have to pay for it. Well, I don't think I want to play for this team anymore. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? Jeez, I don't remember that. But there's a lot of stories thrown at me that I wouldn't that I wouldn't remember. Mark tell, tell, told a good one on a, another show that I got where we were after beating St. Mary's up in Belfast. And Mark did a great job on Stephen O'Neill. Again, two lads that, you know, yeah. Stephen O'Neill, Top you know, of the was, I think he might have played senior because he played senior very straight out of minor on McGinney that year, remember. I think it might have been 99 or 2000. And... I, he said I cozied up to Mark on the way home on the on the bus anyways and Mark says what's the story with this lad like I mean he never usually sits in oh, and <laughs> we got we got down to Minute anyways and I says here come on me and you will shoot on up to the to the students union here and I says geez but every, well, everybody's going into going into the roost I says I can't go in there Mark I'm barred <laughs> and uh so then Mark, uh, Mark suggests another pub. Now we go, look, forget about it. We'll go up to Club LA there, I'm sure. Look, we'll, we'll go up, we'll see, we'll want to... Mark, I'm barred out of there too. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark kind of understood that if he stuck with me, um, his options were limited. <laughs> and you had a good enough team there as well. Oh my God. The, t- the team we had Very in the it was it was better than any Tralee team, but they were all on. I was the only I was the only county senior. There was John Keane All Star, yeah. Barry Cal All Star. There was Alan Dillon All Star, Alan Brogan All Star. There was Ross Munley. There was um, Declan Lally. There was myself. There was Connor Moran to played in the Senior All Ireland with uh, Mayo. 
uh, uh, Dermot Geraghty, who played in a senior All-Ireland with Mayo. There was Mark, All-Star. Like, I mean, it was, but they were all under 21s. I remember making speeches in a dressing room saying, lads, you don't know how good you are. You're all going to be brilliant players. You're all going to play senior. And we have to believe we can beat them. And it was UCC um, beat us by two points in a terrible conditions. Um, it was my, I was Mark and Paul Galvin. He was, I was wing forward. He was wing back. And the fellow was practically growling at me, Galvin was, in the rain, um, <laughs> up in Sligo. Uh, was, but the, and used to see, I think they went on to win it or they were beaten after extra time in the final. So that's how close that team were, full of young lads, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but right now, if you were to look at that minute team, you would be like, how the hell did that not win a Sigerson Cup? Yeah. I, I, like, throughout, and I've, I've heard that you've had clashes with managers down the years and... You know, we all have had clashes. Like there was one time, I actually, I actually um, uh, retired. we after a heavy weekend of it, and I was looking for a bit of pity. And I rang Gerald O'Keefe, and I says, "Look, Ger, I think this was in, in my prime now. I said, I think I have enough of it. I think I, I, I can't do it anymore." Kind of crack. And he said, "Fine." He hung up, and I was left on the other side saying, "Jesus Christ, what am I after doing?" <laughs> I rang him back an hour later. I says, "I was only messing about that." The managers who had the biggest impact you impact on you, and it could be college, it could be anywhere. Column who had like were you the type of player who, I suppose you needed. I, I I think I read it somewhere with you that it had to be more than the same old blasé. Like you liked coaches, you liked fellas who put the time and effort into it and made stuff interesting. Yeah. Well, that was it. Like you know as well as I do, especially back in those days, there was a lot of lazy managers who would just land to training. And make it up as they went along. You'd usually do a few laps and you, then you'd play a match and stuff like that. And then it was around that time. I, I think a, a management team in Portlaoise of Niall Tully. Uh, he's a mead man. He's an excellent coach. And uh, Tommy Conroy, we, they were our management team when we got to the All-Iron Club final. They were excellent. They were doing video work that was ahead of their time. They were challenging us. You know, Niall Tully would stand out with the ball on the 45 or a bit further back and, and challenge the three of us inside. Where are you moving? Why are you not communicating with each other? You know, get an understanding. And that had never been done with us before, you know, and it really good. They made me captain. I responded really positively to it. I, be, I became a leader instead of a messer. Um, and I think they, they definitely did. They made, they made a big impact um, on me. Intercounty wise, I quite like Liam Kearns. Um, yeah. he, he kind of came after Miko and like Miko has so many qualities, but Miko could act like a spoiled child sometimes. Like he mightn't speak. He might, there was times he wouldn't speak to me for maybe three months. And likewise, <laughs> and then there was another year, Tomas, he'd be holding me up in front of the whole group as the, the you know, the example everybody needs. I didn't know how to read this fella at all, really. Like I, I was going from hero to zero and, you know, and then I always found with, with inter-county managers, especially, do you have an argument with them? And I have a lot. Because I'm a spiky individual and if, if there's something bothering me, I'd rather have it out and yeah. and then forget about it. I've said my piece. But to take a lot of people in the GEA take offense and you're not being not, you're not it's not like you're abusing them, but like you're saying, what the f, f is going yeah. on here? Yeah, 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 I, and yeah. and Liam Kearns was a complete uh, breath of fresh air for me. Me and him had huge arguments. And then the next night you go to train, how are you woolly? And I'd be like, Jesus, no, isn't this great? Like these are these are two adults kind of for the first time, you're being treated as, a, as an adult rather than a little bit like headmaster student. Um, and, and probably not just Mikko, but we were seen as young lads. So maybe it was natural for them to see us as young lads, put manners on us, keep us under 
um, control. I think it was Liam Kearns before I felt I was being treated like an adult by a manager. Kearns. In a weird way. It was tragic what happened. And like he was involved in a Limerick team and Limerick traditionally, Colm, you'd know yourself, would not be in the same. And it's not trying to be arrogant, but they shouldn't be causing carry problems. But he put something in. Now, they had good players, very good players. But we came across teams... Plenty of teams that are good players but didn't have the stuff. He put something into them. He did the same with Tipperary. What was it about him? Do you know, was it good coaching? Was it inside in the dressing room? Was it a player relationships? What was it that he had like? Well, it wasn't like I, I quite, I like Kearns because like I said, it, it was coming off a year. Uh, Mikko's last year relationship between me and him had completely gone. And not just him, it was his, his right-hand man, Declan O'Loughlin, who had a huge influence over him. Me and him had stopped talking. My father was a selector and I wasn't able to get a run at all, which really... Jesus, I never knew that. Your yeah. father was a selector. He brought my father in as a selector because my father would have been with the with the miners in 97, 98, and he would have managed Port Leash as well. And the county board thought it was a bit of a closed up shop with Mikko, Declan Lockton and Gabriel Lawler. You see, Gabriel had a son on the panel um, who he would have been trying to get on. And O'Loughlin and Mikko were pretty much one vote. Okay. So I think the county board chairman at the time wanted to put someone else in there to not have it, you know, it was basically whatever Mikko and O'Loughlin were, were going along with. It wasn't really a selection process for the team and stuff. So the truth of my father in there and well, he pretty much confirmed that's exactly the way it was, that Declan and Mikko would go the same way all the time. Um, but yeah, he couldn't get me. My father would never ask. The only time he asked to give me a run. Now, it was, my problem that year was probably with O'Loughlin. And like I said, he had a big influence over Mikko. The only time he asked was the All-Ireland quarterfinal, the replay at half time. The father just says, uh, would you just bring Colm on for God's sake? Where, you know, it's this is going on all year. You haven't even given him a run because I'd be thick. I'd go down training and I'd be winning some of the long runs just out of yeah. out of trying to best them and say yeah. it's not fitness. Um, now, I wasn't behaving myself at the weekend and they were hearing this back. But anyways, he they, they wouldn't bring me on. O'Loughlin said he's not going well in training or so and just shut that down. We lost that game uh, by a point. Um, which was a big disappointment, um, but that was kind. Of, that was kind of, yeah. That that was that was it. But then Cairns came in, and like I said, Cairns was that kind of breath of fresh air. But the big problem for Cairns, like the politics of all this um, time with us, Tomas was terrible. Like O'Loughlin and Mikko would have had their favourites. I don't mind naming them out. Higgins was their hero. Tom Kelly, uh, Clancy, they love they love Garvin, uh, Bino, Donny Brennan. They were O'Loughlin's club. Column, wasn't it? Oh, look, we underachieved massively. There's no doubt about that. We only have one Leinster to show for those teams. Like, I mean, and, you know, it's... It, it's And Leinster was, Leinster was very winnable at the time, like. It was very winnable. But mm. you look at it, we won the Leinster in 03. And we also won a minor All-Ireland in 03 with Brendan Quigley, wow. MJ Tierney, um, Catter Healy, all that crop, maybe four or five good lads coming out of that. And we won nothing again after 03. With a good... With the, the backbone of three minor, three minor great minor teams in the 90s, now we're 25, 26, a new minor All-Ireland team in 03, and we won nothing more. But the problem Cairns has, what, had was a lot of the lads were mollycoddled uh, during the Mikko time, and Cairns didn't mollycoddle them. And they rebelled against that instead of going, they didn't put in the same effort as far as I'm concerned. And Cairns, like, you know, really Cairns era is when we should have been at our very, very strongest. And it just fell, it fell apart. Yeah, I spoke to a few of the the Offaly lads this year and even they were just raving about him. They had a structure put in place and he was, I would say he, and I didn't never manage, I actually played under him once with the Railway Cup um, 
should have taken us a few hours to get up to the match and it took us took us nearly a full day. I was with my brother and Adam at Carrollton. It was my God, we shouldn't have we shouldn't have been allowed to play at all. We we were down in the hotel lobby that the night before the match. It was it was horrendous. <laughs> I tried to blame them, they blame me. I'd say poor old Jesus, he, he saw everything bar everything going wrong. I was playing the following day. The first guy that went down injured was was Mark. Adam was brought on early and he was disgusted he was brought on early and we were playing the lads from the north and of course they took it so serious Jesus it was, it was hectic stuff altogether um, can I ask you and just going back to Miko and I know you probably clash and all that if you were to say because he was the one manager down in Kerry like he'd be revered down in Kerry and he'd always will be no matter what happened say early on or whatever when he initially came up what were his strengths Inside, was it in the dressing room beforehand? Was it? Ah, it was. It was. It was giving us the confidence. We were again coming off a terribly bad time under Colin Brown, who was, oh Jesus, we'd reached rock bottom. We'd been hammered by uh, Mead. Um, I had left the panel at this stage. I was in America, but they were destroyed by Mead in a Moore Park, and Miko came in. It's just the belief he gives you because no matter what you wanted minor, we'd no history of winning anything at senior, and. You know, he'd send you for laps. He'd come back. He'd tell you a story about Jack O'Shea, about Pat Spillane. He'd tell you, you're every bit as good as him. And you'd be just walking on water with this. Like, I mean, Jesus, Mick O'Dwyer. Like, I mean, because he, he's just a huge man. It was the confidence he gave you. And that was right up to the very end. What he was able to do to Ross Munley, it was like, you know, Munley just fucking, you know, it was the best football that he ever played in his career was under Mick as a wing forward, a live wire. But he was able to tell... Um, like Miko's formula wasn't uh, rocket science it was run the shite out of you get your fit and then play loads of football in the summer and what better way to practice for football than to play football you know <laughs> now it, it, it got slightly monotonous when the A team were beating the B team you see Miko's whole philosophy was you never change a winning team so you could be playing shite on the winning team and you're safe because the team wins and the B team knew this so the B team weren't motivated really and the gate the gate the football matches probably weren't as competitive as they could have been because the B team knew well I'm not getting in anyways and uh you know but that that was it Miko just gave the he gave the first team confidence um, and it was also the confidence he gave you knowing the opposition were wondering you know Jesus they have Miko Dwyer they have some great players. It was all just everything. Him being involved with the team. Um, and I, Jesus, his first year, I had a great relationship with him um, until I got injured. And he, it's like he held, if you're injured, it's like you've done something wrong on him. You've offended <laughs> him in some way. And then because I was injured and it was a bad injury for 10 weeks, I w- wasn't behaving myself. He heard stories back. Then the relationship soured. Then the following year, we were back all buddies again. And he was, you know... Um, I was back playing full forward now and I was doing everything he told me. I was laying ball off out in front and he loved me again. And then, <laughs> and then like, it was like a roller coaster ride with me and him. But he likes kind of, bra- he likes rogues. And he told me, he says, Wooly, I, listen, you don't have to like me. I don't have to like you. I'll always pick you. Don't worry. Um, but you have to give me something, you know, like, <laughs> as in, don't really take the piss out of it. Um, Alison, do you, I, I hate being remembered, Tomas. My, my, um, introduction is to me in the media was calling Mick O'Dwyer a bluffer like I mean and you know especially with my career which you know you a lot of people could say was a bit of a joke at senior level was there one year back and gone and arguing so for a whippersnapper like me to be calling him a bluffer like the only problem with Mikko was he's a legend and a brilliant manager is that over those years he had us the game was changing massively yeah. and strength and conditioning was coming in and our ma were like bloody tanks yeah. and they had the jerseys up and they were bullying us. And 
Mikko wouldn't change. He wouldn't he wouldn't embrace the strength and conditioning. And this is where like the Kildare lads would have nothing but good words to say about him because that wasn't the case in the nineties. You yeah. trained to choose the Thursday a match. Yeah. We had him over the course of a time where massive nutrition. Like sure, like it was gas. Like we we could have a nutritionist in talking to us, and Mick would be behind her, and like he'd be, ha- you know, this, he wouldn't be entertaining. And then we go up to the Red Cow and have a Friday morning at the match. <laughs> but that in Mick's eyes, that was the nutritionist box ticked, right? Got her in, got someone in to talk to, and you know, and you knew Mick didn't believe in it. And it's just so many changes came over those years from 03 to 07. That's when yeah. it, the game fundamentally changed in preparation. We couldn't deal with it, Colm, though. We couldn't deal with And it wasn't, you look back at the throwing team that we couldn't get over. They didn't play in any way as defensively as teams, you know, or were as organised. Yes, they got players back. Yes, they tackled like absolute dogs. But that was perceived that time. But the start, the very start of change happened then. And I do agree with you. I think a lot of managers, the older type, would have struggled with, and Pawdy was the same. Pawdy had this thing where, and Jack was different. It was a, Jack, Jack Connor used to always put me on a, a, a wing forward if it was number 10 on the far side. If that guy was tall, rangy, Jack Connor would send me over there. If it was a small, fast, I didn't like those fellas, I would be moved. But Paddy was always, whoever lands on you, that's your man. That's it. That's the way we yeah. go. We rock on. Number five is number five. That's it. But around that time, football did change. It changed for, for good, really. You said, yeah. you mentioned America there. Did you go to America? Did you spend a few summers over there? Did you, the crack over there must have been good. Yeah, I spent five summers in America. Like, <laughs> yeah. <I> <laughs> Sure, I was dropping off panels right, left, and centre to us. Like, I mean, you know, my first year was. But it wasn't I to go to, to America. You 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 drop off a panel and then you get a phone call, would you? But sometimes you might get the phone call before the the, the season would be. <laughs> so let's just say if you're all sober, you're not getting on with the manager. That might make the decision an awful lot easier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I went for I went uh, twice to New York. I went to Philadelphia. I went to Boston, and I went to Chicago. I did a right tour of them all. Um, and loved it, absolutely loved you weren't it. weren't labouring too hard out there, were you? Jeez, you know, I did, you know. Did like, you? I mean, I have to say, every boss I had out there wanted me to come back. The football teams, <laughs> maybe not, <laughs> not so much. But I used to go into work and I grafted, yeah. I would I would be in, I worked on the sites here in Portlaoise, um, you know, through school. So I would have a bit of an idea about them. And I did a lot of framing and working. And the bosses, yeah, they all wanted to keep me on and asked me to stay out. Um, but yeah, the 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 New York um the New, New York, York summers were city. the New York summers were great, and then the Boston summer was fantastic. That was my last one. That was a year I took out to go traveling, and I was like, Jesus, I'm definitely going to cash in across. I was in Australia, and I left Australia, and I cashed in for the summer in Boston, and then I went down to South America and I toured around South America on my Boston on my Boston money. I think I had some money left over even when I got back. So I well I did. That's what I did because. When like I dropped out of college, I went to five different colleges. Uh, Tomas, like I dropped out of college for four different years. So the way I looked at it was you weren't stressed had, though, were you? Because young, like you didn't feel under pressure. Jeez, I have to do something. Was there some stage where you said, "Jesus Christ, I have to snap"? There was, this? yeah, yeah. The parents made me go for the prison officers, and I got that. And that was like I dropped out of three colleges at that stage, and it was like go into the prison now in Port Leash oh, and spend and spend your lunch break down in the pub drinking pints. And uh, <laughs> I know that might sound <laughs> appealing to some people, but I didn't want to be doing that. And I I told the parents, look, I'll go back one more time, 
and uh, I'll, I'll finish it this time. And it was that year then I went to America nearly every summer and I'd bring home some money and I wouldn't be burdening them because um, they paid, you know, obviously for colleges I was dropping yeah. out of. And I just made it easy on them uh, by having my own money. And um, I got myself a car. I'm sounding like I got loads of money out there now. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, wa- it wasn't huge money like they're getting now. The most money I got was in Boston when I got a bit, I got a bit more streetwise. And I actually, um, I named my price rather than accepting what they were giving me, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you know yourself, Tomas, you're, you're long in the tooth now. Come here, did you ever play Aussie Rules? I got on the Compromise Rules team that time in 1999, um, 1998. I was still a year, the same age as you, still under 21 again in 99. And I got That's on the Compromise sport. Rules. How did you mix um, out, out there? I loved it. No, and un- unfortunately, it was the one in Dublin. It was the very first one where they where they um, they resurrected it from the 80s. Remember, there's too many rows yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And then they brought it back in 98. Oh, my God. Like, I mean, you should see the boys that were on that team. McGinney. Brian Steins, John McDermott, Trevor Giles, um, Moynihan, you know, then all the Kildare boys, Donnellan, Joyce, and maybe Joyce wasn't even on it. Niall Buckley, like these are lads that in the 90s now were D. Like these were the lads, Tomas, we were looking at going, oh my God. Who was in charge of it? Colm O'Rourke. John O'Keefe was a selector and uh, Mickey Moran was a selector. And I made the first 17 of that team. I impressed them so much in the trials um, that I made the first 17. And um, yeah, I ended up only getting 10 minutes in the actual, in the actual. um, How many tests were there? Two or three? There was two tests. It was best of, best of, uh, there was two tests and then they aggregated the scores on it. But it was the same year because the Aussies obviously learned as the years went on to pick smaller, faster lads. But yeah. this was the first year. So they picked, there was a lad called Spider Everett that was uh, six foot seven. <laughs> there was a whole load of six foot seven lads. You know, it was Darren Fay against these lads and in the full forward line. Uh, it was magical stuff. I swapped the jersey. It was down to my knees um, after the second test. Like this is how big these fellas are. Um, these Aussie jerseys I remember like, my brother Dara played fullback he marked Barry Hall I've never Barry seen a more cowardly performance from, a, from an Irish, <laughs> Irish player in all my life but they were I went I went on one trip and it was 2005 and I didn't want I was actually pulled I was going to pull out the night before because Tyrone were after beating us for the second time I did not want to go on that trip I did not want to meet the Tyrone fellas I didn't want to come near them and I actually had more crack with McGuigan with Ricey, with Mulligan, um, all of our great fun. Jordan was a sound fella. But that, Chris Johnson went absolutely nuts. That was that He one, nearly yeah. killed Jordan. Like, he nearly, like, Gooch was out there. Gooch, Gooch didn't see 10 minutes of, I keep mentioning it. I mentioned him in the last day as well. Like, But it was a tough sport. Like, I saw lads in, like, I don't know, there was some part of it. Yeah, it was great representing your country, everything like that. But Jesus, there was times where the Aussies knew they were st- physically stronger and just started acting the maggot like. Ah, there was. Sure, the, the, the Garrity one was terrible in Croke Park too. He, they nearly killed him. And that was the time O'Matany and Galvin went, fight, went, went to go boxing them. Um, do you remember that in Croke Park? I actually met Jack O'Connor on the way out of that game um, and kind of, la- you know, as in, what's after happening here? It was like well, people used to go to the strong. games to see... The fighting, yeah. see the action. They wanted to yeah. see. And where would you be going? Like that? Listen, at the end of the day, there is a clever man. <laughs> What's he trying to prove? Fighting Barry Hall in there in the full back line. Like, I mean, it's madness. You know, only the likes of Galvin on a matinee that kind of, you know, would be, you know, very, very combative. You would. I saw Sean Cavanaugh at 2005 
or was it oh, 06, the Croke Park one, whatever year that was, that man stood on the sideline never moved. He didn't want any part of this stall. <laughs> I was sitting on a bench one day above and Derek Savage. Remember Derek Savage? Brilliant corner ah, lovely forward. Lovely fella, yeah. Brilliant corner forward for Galway. And um, Tony Watt, Tony Wattna was a guy in the sideline. The management were up in the stands. And there was about three minutes to go and it was a fairly heavy, saucy game. Now, there was, there was fellas getting belted left, right and centre. So, obviously, Tony Wattner was hooked up. He he came over and I was sitting right beside him and he says, uh, you're going in, mate, you're going in, mate. And he turned around. He says, he said, Jesus, this is nearly half time. No, there's no fucking point going in. I, I'll stay here until half time. <laughs> In the 98 one, I came on uh, 10 minutes before halftime. This is my only 10 minutes. It's my only cap for Ireland. And after about two minutes, I was given one of those balls. You know that you can't mark that bounce in front of you and you had no choice but to catch it. The minute I caught it, some monster jumped on my back and then fell on top of me and the ball was at my chest. So it actually squeezed every bit of air out of my face, right? I was running around, like uh, trying to run and go, <gasps> I couldn't breathe in, right? And I just didn't want any part of it. I wanted to be just called off the field. And then I went to try and tackle a fella. And he was so big. I slid down from his shoulders, down towards his hips, held onto his jersey. And I think he kept running as he's dragging me behind him. <laughs> right? So that were, I think they were my only two interactions in the thing. I made another run and Donlan didn't give me a pass. I, I reckon I had a point on. And McGuinness and Brendan Devaney always say this, um, that I came in at halftime because I had the long hair. The hair was all disheveled. And I had a look on my face and said, what? The, like I was after being put through a fucking washing machine or something. And they were in the stitches laughing at the two uh, at me. And then O'Rourke took me off. And uh, that was that was my only experience at that. Yeah. Oh, just, is there any point, Colin? I, could, I, I love, like, <clears throat> as I said, the, the podcast we have here now, and, and we thank... Airgrid for the the sponsoring of it, but I just like the crack and the banter and meeting up with fellas and the old mates. Like we're a team that never ever meet up anymore. We never do. There was a yeah. a, a reunion for the ninety seven team last year, and I was a sub on that team, and uh, that was the first time in a long time. And it's not that they don't get on; they had tremendous fun. They had brilliant, but we're not a team that meets up all the time. So anytime yeah. you do, I love chatting about the old stories, about the way it was. I mean, you can be guaranteed there's fellas now, and it's great. We were harping on about it for long enough that we wanted games every two weeks. But you can be guaranteed the crack that you talk about inside in dressing rooms and the, that drives you on for the winter months. Do you remember when Woolly was hanging off the ceiling or whatever he was, or Tomas was running down the street with nothing on him or whatever it was? There, that's what drives you on. The chances of having that for these fellas right now, is it gone to a level where, fuck it, lads, a little bit of balance? Yeah. I will look at, I was impressed with Porrick Choice, who told me on the show there last year that after the Armagh penalties, they went out after that. They had Derry the following week. I, w- I think I've been deprogrammed where I was actually saying, are you serious, Porrick? Are you, know, you yeah, sure yeah. that was the right thing? But Joyce is old school, the same as us, and he sees the value of it. The one thing I always remember, Tomas, that, that you miss, um, number one is the crack in the shower in the dressing room after a really hard session and the, your yeah. guard is down and you've gotten through it and you, there's a real great camaraderie um, that Jesus, halfway through that session, you're ready to give up and you didn't and you're gone through it. And also to choose the night after a good win where you've been out that Sunday night, someone's been acting the maggot, you know, another fella has gone off with some ugly one or, you know, this kind of carry on and you can't wait to get there and the crack is great and you're kicking a few pints, you're not killed that night. There's a lovely feeling around the squad, you know, and they're they're the two things I probably miss. Like the bus journeys are good too and the crack on them. But to choose the night after a win 
And Mikko might, even after a win, Mikko might say, a bit of ground football now, you know, and uh, you'd be playing soccer. He didn't call it soccer, it was ground football. And uh, you ever go on any crack- holidays, any tours, any trips? We did. We went to South Africa after we won the, won the. I think you were there in that, it, uh, I can't think of the name of the hotel. The Cullinan. Um, Cullinan and Kilkenny. Yeah. I think all the GEA teams um, were there. But I had, like I said, that first year that uh, Mikko was there, I had gotten injured. And then I hadn't been looking after myself. And by the time I'd gotten back right, I'd, I had destroyed my hamstring. I'd fallen out with the leash doctor who misdiagnosed me. We got into an argument. The leash doctor went off running to Mikko. Anyways, we, me and Mikko weren't in, in good, uh, in good uh, rela- terms relationship-wise. And then I says, right, I'm going, I'm, di- I'm going to take this holiday and I'm going to charm this fella. I'm going to show him how serious I am. I'm going to, you know, really win him back. Because I remember at the medals night, he didn't really want to entertain me. So it was my mission that I was going to get back in the good books, him and O'Loughlin. O'Loughlin was often the key into O'Dwyer. And uh, the first night we went there anyways, we were all allowed to go out. And uh, we, we, we had training the next morning out the front green outside the hotel. We were to run that for 20 minutes nonstop. And I ended up getting boxed off with some air hostess um, that night that we were out. And I ended up in her room. And I remember that night, listen, set your alarm. Please, I've training in the morning and I really have to impress this manager. So anyways, the alarm never went off. <laughs> the alarm never went off. I landed down to when I woke up and they were all just coming in, finishing. And O'Dwyer walked past me <laughs> like he wouldn't even look at me. So I went out. I did the 20 minute run on my own, on my own. The county secretary timed me and I says, go back in now and tell O'Dwyer I did them or whatever. And then... He wasn't talking to me. And then the, uh, she came down, the air hostess came down. She was sitting beside me at the pool and she was like, hey, did you get in trouble or whatever? And then the boys were telling me, oh, Dwyer was mad interested in this. Who's your one with Parkinson? And, you know, and uh, but I worked. It worked. By the end of the holiday, I, I ended up, I got him. I won him over. Those holidays are brilliant. The crack you'd have on it. Um, uh, they were. Colm, I, 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 we, I could stay on talking all night. Um, if I had to say right now, and there's no point, is there any point even calling a winner for the All-Ireland right now? No. Oh, there's nobody jumping out, isn't there no. not? I was thinking, I think Mayo, but Mayo's showing against Loud yeah. that maybe, uh, you know, a Derry, Derry could get it. But the Galway aren't impressive. Like, what are Galway doing? Galway are just doing enough. Like, they're not really, what's their signature performance, really, you know? like Surely teams aren't holding it to the quarterfinal. No. I don't, I, I don't believe I, that. I think that's madness. And look, the reality is, Tomás, and David Clifford even said this after the Roscommon game in his post-match interview, says nearly every game is following the same pattern. And then we can get back. You talked about that 05 All-Ireland final. For me, it's not the 90s, because you look back at those All-Irelands, there was a lot of kicking the ball away. Yeah. That 05 era from 03, maybe not 03, maybe 05. I thought in 05, he played the best football I've, I've seen any team playing. And I thought you were exceptional. And this is minding the ball, but giving lovely diagonal balls. Um, or maybe that was 03, where you're hammering everybody, where you lost to Armand the final. Or 02, I yeah. Think, or 02. Or 02. Yeah. I think the football played from 02 to around 08. 08, Tyrone got a bit more defensive, dropping bodies back. Tyrone, when you look back at that old final, Jesus, they played brilliant football. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. brilliant Armand, yeah. when you look back at the football Armagh played, all they did was yeah, play great players, Willie Great players. Absolutely. For me, that was the era of the best football. Not the 90s, not the not, not any era. That was where you had a good balance between a nice bit of kicking, a nice bit of physicality, a nice bit of fetching, all the skills of Gaelic football. That's what I miss. I miss the skills. I miss the hits. I miss the 
Like, how can you have hits anymore? Yeah. You know, there's very few. It's yeah. all about retreat, weight, you know, tactical. Jesus, that's not what we're uh, reared on. Like, I mean, no. this is Gaelic football. You, the famous quote, it's called football days. Yeah. You know, and that's a fact. You have to kick football. And for me, a lot of the game, I think teams aren't, you know, you know, overly impressive. Who was the impressive team last year? Armagh for a lot of teams. Mm. And they've they've gone to the dark side as a passive team now. Our Galway are a passive team. Mayo are the only one, and Kerry are the only ones that aren't really passive. There's a bit of, you know, there's a bit of desire to win the ball high up the field and leave your forwards up there and leave them up unless they're being dragged out of there. But a lot of the rest are happy to drop everyone off and defend from their 65 or the midfield line or the 45. Shane I, Wigan was very honest in your podcast the last yeah. day. Would you give them a chance? I'd give them a chance against Kerry. I don't yeah. think Kerry'd like playing them. Um, I don't think Mayo'd like playing them. I wouldn't. I, then Dublin aren't a good style style match for Derry. I think Dublin would beat Derry. I think Galway would beat Derry. But I think Derry could beat Mayo or Kerry. It's a weird one. It's great um, though. We don't know. You, it's very hard to call. And I would, like, it's only now that it's going to kick off. It's only now that you're going to see sparks fly. And you will have an upset or two. But I still yeah. think you're talking about the three or four same teams. Three or four, there's five There's five you can make a case for, and you're going to throw Derry in there out of respect for double, um, you know, double Ulster winners, and they have an excellent team. Derry, Galway, Mayo, Kerry, Dublin. We've never had that. I do, we're doing a lot of giving out, um, and I am on the show. I think I might be pissing some of the subscribers off that I'm giving out about the football, um, and we've never had. When's the last time we had five All-Ireland winners that you could make a good case for? Yeah. Jeez, I don't remember. Well, it was. You know, I mean, you, you had Dublin every year, and people thinking that you were playing funny games, predicting that they were winning, going to win it. But you knew every year they don't have the same team, they don't have the same setup. It'd be difficult for them to win it. If they win it now, it would probably be a better win than some of the wins they put together. But it is. Yeah. I think it's just exciting from here. I think you could argue that look, what's happened between the last two months was there full any need for it? That's fine. Knockout football is what we want, and that's what we want to get. Um, yeah. Colm, I wish you the best with the with the podcast. We'll be listening in. I travelled up to Dublin and I tried to get the best podcasts, listening to get my head fresh, get fresh stuff in, into my body in terms of the football games coming up. And I'm always tuned in. Um, it's a pleasure to finally have you on Coral at Moss, of course. Thanks to Airgrid. Without them all, this wouldn't be possible. Airgrid are the leading uh, transition of Ireland's electricity grid to a low carbon future. If you have missed out on any of this season's or last season's episode, click into the link in the bio. Thanks again, and we'll see you back here again next Wednesday. Colm Gurramila Mahagat. See you, Tomas. Thanks again to our sponsor, Airgrid, proud supporters of the Airgrid Under 20 All Ireland Football Championship and leaders in Ireland's pursuit of a cleaner energy future. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, and review. Gurramila Mahagat.